I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When a bullet-riddled body surfaces in the reeking swamps of East Texas. It was something deceased, didn't know if an animal or a human. Just think of the worst thing you can imagine. Detectives soon discover that sometimes blood runs thicker than swamp water. You've got to work around these people. They'll, they'll cave on each other. They always do. Put your hands up! Who blew away this husband and father and dumped him in this hellhole? That, that was a surprise. Can you manipulate someone into committing murder and be guilty yourself? The bleak oil fields east of Rust, Texas are desolate for good reason. Six months out of the year, the low-lying plain is flooded by swampy runoff from the nearby Natchez River. It's a hostile, unforgiving place. It's the Natchez oil field, and there's, uh, there's old oil wells that have been drilled since World War II. It's, it's very swampy over there, trees hanging down, alligators. In the dark, it's positively sinister especially on low-slung bridges like this one, where a solitary vehicle pulls up on a February night in 1998. The bridge covered a, a lower creek area. It was out in the middle of probably 25 miles from the nearest town. Very good place to play somebody that you didn't want to be found. The murky waters teem with life. They're snake infested. They're alligator gar. Alligator gar are long-nosed carnivorous fish that'll eat pretty much anything, including a dead man's flesh. It's a quiet Saturday in Rust, Texas, 120 miles southeast of Dallas, but it won't be for long. Cherokee County Sheriff's Office. To the officer on call that morning, 22-year-old Patricia Sexton sounds frantic. It's my husband, Bobby Sexton. He didn't come home last night. Hold on, ma'am. Patricia said that he was gone, left in the middle of the night, and when she woke up, she hadn't had returned home. Uh, you're over in Jacksonville? Yes. 
Now, has he ever been out overnight before? No, I just, I don't. Well, you know, we usually advise people to uh, wait at least 24 hours. We don't just jump on it right away and without some kind of evidence of, of foul play. The next morning, Patricia Sexton calls the sheriff's office again. Bobby Sexton still hasn't turned up, but his wife says his SUV has, and it's not in good shape. Patricia's mother's boyfriend, Al Clark, had found the vehicle on a dirt road. The keys were in it, and he went ahead and drove it back to the Bingham property. Patricia, when she saw the Suburban, she knew that something was wrong. Al, what's that? Is that blood? Al, I think that's blood. First thing Monday, Detective Mike Daniel leads a team from the Cherokee County Sheriff's Office to investigate. Patricia and Bobby Sexton live in a trailer parked on a compound owned by Patricia's grandparents, Buddy and Dorothy Bingham. The Binghams owned a salvage yard. They bought junk cars, sold the parts. When detectives arrive at the scene, they find Patricia and her grandparents standing by the Suburban. And inside the vehicle, they quickly spot something suspicious, blood. In the fender wells, blood was pulled uh, probably two or three inches deep. It's a lot of blood. Let's get a sample. We had heard that he liked to hunt at night, and so it very well could have been some animal blood. Uh, but so we took it to have it you know, analyzed to see if it was human blood or not. They also noticed that the rear carpet's been removed, and it isn't the only thing missing. Spare tires gone. Jagged tire iron missing too. That led us to believe that the tire iron may have been used to whooping. Did he stop somewhere and get have a flat, get beat? The detectives take Patricia inside her trailer to ask her about the last time she saw her husband. Bobby left here on 11, 11 15 on Friday night. Willie came down and let him know there was still some lights on at the shop and could he take care of it. Willie did? Yeah, he works at the shop and he has a trailer on the property. Patricia stated that she never left the residence. She had her children there. I was falling asleep while he was out because when I... Got up, he was Over the course of the lengthy interview, detectives start to learn more about Patricia and her relationship with her husband, Bobby. And when was the first time that you two met? I met Bobby. I'm 22 now. It's about seven years ago. They actually met at the racetrack, Thunder Mountain. It's an eighth of a mile dirt track. Patricia was driving a truck that her grandfather had built for her. It was a big deal. Hi there. My name's Bobby. <laughs> Patricia. It's nice to meet you. Bobby was a race fan, a mechanic, and he knew the Binghams. Patricia was impressed by Bobby's skills as a mechanic. He could take a car, the motor out, put it right back in, rebuild on the other thing. And if something broke down, he knew how to fix it. And and he would he would drive the car some. The two started seeing a lot of each other at the track bonding over their shared love of racing. That's how they got together, and she was 16 at the time, and Bobby would have been 33 or 34. Despite their age difference, Bobby and the freckled young beauty hit it off. After dating just a few months, Patricia got pregnant. Their families weren't thrilled, but they supported the couple when they got married and had two daughters. To make some extra cash, Bobby picked up work doing some roofing. But then, disaster struck. Bobby had a terrible accident. He broke his back in a fall 
and underwent five separate back surgeries. He was forced to go on disability. That put him down for a while, so that's how come he got so attached to his kids, because he's more like babysitting, you know, while his wife was out working. Girls will be about five minutes, all right? Bobby was pretty devoted to his daughters, and I gotta say, the times that I did see him and deal with them at the racetrack on a social level, he was a good father. To detectives, it doesn't sound like Bobby is the type of guy to up and run off. He would have called, or, or in this small town, somebody that knows us, you know, they would call. Detective Daniel needs to track down Bobby's coworker, Willie Wright, since it seems he was the last person to see him. But first, he has a chat with Patricia's grandparents, Dorothy and Buddy Bingham, to see what they know about Bobby going missing. Dorothy was pretty much the matriarch of the whole clan out there. Nothing could happen out there unless Dorothy knew about him. The couple says they last saw Bobby on back. Friday afternoon, but they weren't home the night he disappeared. Well, me and Buddy, we was in Louisiana, gambling on them boats. Buddy said that he just thought Bobby had just took off for a little while. He was not really concerned at that point. Police learn that apparently Bobby has left before. Just three months ago, he took the girls and went back to his parents' house. Why? Trisha don't like talking about it, but they've been kind of going through a rough patch, you know? Their troubles began two and a half years earlier when Patricia discovered she was pregnant a third time. Bobby loved his two daughters, but it was no secret that he really wanted a son, someone to carry on the family name. Patricia was hoping the third time would be the charm. She went back to the doctor and uh, she said, uh, you need to abort the baby because you have uterus cancer. Oh, baby, I'm sorry. It was devastating news. But despite the cancer, <laughs> Patricia and Bobby decided to go ahead and take the pregnancy to term. And Patricia delivered another healthy baby girl. He was still happy because he wanted a little boy. After the birth, Patricia recovered just fine but the cancer had spread, and soon she no longer had a choice. She had a hysterectomy, couldn't have any more children. Over the next year, according to her grandparents, Patricia fell into a depression. When she wasn't doing odd jobs to bring in some money, she spent her time out at the racetrack. Bobby resented Patricia being away so much, <gasps> and he started accusing her of infidelity. Where have you been? I am here. I'm... Where have you been? I'm here! Who are you sleeping with? Nobody! Nobody, Bobby! The couple had hit rock bottom in November, and soon after, Bobby stormed off with the three girls to his parents. But within a few months, the Binghams tell detectives, yeah. the couple reconciled. They're doing better, aren't they, buddy? They're doing better. One thing is obvious to investigators. Patricia is tight with her grandparents. Buddy and Dorothy pretty much raised Patricia. They had to because her father was in prison for murder and her mother, Linda Gale, well, she wasn't around much. Linda Gale had problems with drug abuse, alcohol, prostitution. It wasn't a mother-daughter relationship. It was a now and then relationship. We had to tell Linda Gale to move out because the drugs raised Trish as if she was one of her own. Detective Daniel definitely wants to talk to Linda Gale about Bobby's disappearance, especially since both she and her boyfriend, Al Clark Jr., have gotten tangled up with the law before. Mr. Clark had quite a criminal history. He'd already been to penitentiary for murder. 
If you didn't have to deal with Al, you wound up dealing with Linda Gale. So it was a revolving door. They start by asking Al how he found Bobby's Suburban. It's a mite suspicious that he just happened upon it the morning after Bobby disappeared, especially considering where he found it, on a remote stretch of dirt road. You couldn't see the, the truck from the paved roadway. I don't have a clue why he's back there. Keys were in it, seemed weird. Drove it on over to Buddy's where I knew Bobby would come back and get it. As for Linda Gale, she's less than helpful. Linda Gale would tell whatever story she felt like would help her time. Only thing she is clear on is her feelings about Bobby. To be quite honest with you, I don't like the guy. Never have. Especially after he pulled that stunt, taking the girls to his parents. He was taking technically her grandkids away from her family. She was pretty adamant that he deserved what he got. That was something that struck us as odd. But Linda and Al deny any involvement in Bobby's disappearance. I don't really care what's happened to him or where he's at. We don't really know anything. Still, investigators leave with the feeling that they've just found their first persons of interest. Al Clark was number one, uh, Linda Gale number two. It was known that Bobby had had disability. They were said there was like $170,000. That, to them, would have been a good chunk of money. Coming up, as the search for Bobby Sexton continues. I went home, went to bed. That's the last time I saw him. The investigation sinks, underlies, misdirection, and a whole heap of suspects. We pretty much uh, kind of went cold. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. 
Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. In the thinly populated swamp country around Jacksonville in East Texas, tongues are wagging about the disappearance of Bobby Sexton. After finding blood in the back of his Suburban, detectives fear the worst. But it isn't much to go on. Truth is, Bobby could still be out there somewhere. On Tuesday, four days since Bobby went missing and the day after they interviewed Bobby's family members, lead detective Mike Daniel gets a call from the crime lab in Dallas. Final results came back from the blood in that Suburban. What'd they say? Human. In 1998, there's no way to positively match the blood to Bobby. DNA back then wasn't an option. It was new. Uh, it was something that took months to get through, and we didn't have a body. Still, it's looking like something terrible happened to Bobby. But his wife, Patricia, seems to be holding out hope. Patricia put flyers up about Bobby's disappearance in several different locations in and around Jacksonville. Meanwhile, detectives need to talk with the last person to see Bobby, Willie Wright, who worked with Bobby at the Bingham Salvage Shop. Willie Wright, at the time, was probably in his late 40s, early 50s. He lived in a travel trailer on the Bingham's property. And he was kind of like a caretaker, fix-it-all, work-on-anything, dismantler. Problem is, Willie isn't the most reliable witness. He was a, an extremely bad alcoholic. He would pass out in the middle of the road. He would drink beer all day long. You know, like most people would have a beer when they got off work. Well, he went to whiskey when he got off work. That Wednesday, Willie stops by the sheriff's office for a chat. Willie, we heard you were with Bobby last Friday night. We just wanted to know what happened. Willie told us that he had closed the door to the shop and forgot to shut the lights off in their compressor. I went and got Bobby. What is it, Willie? Hey, Bobby, uh, I need you to come to the shop with me. The lights are on, the compressor's running. All right. Hey, Tricia. I'll run over to the shop for a minute. So at around 11.15 that night, Bobby headed across the compound to the workshop. Willie said he went in, turned the lights off, the air compressor. Bobby locked the doors. Willie went into his trailer house, and he watched Bobby walk down the hill towards his house. I went home, went to bed. That's the last time I saw him. But Patricia said he never made it home. So we knew something happened in between the shop and Patricia's house. It's a pretty narrow space for something bad to happen. But Bobby couldn't have driven off without Willie seeing, and Willie just doesn't seem capable of doing much harm. Even as the physical shape that Bobby was in, I don't think Willie could have hurt him too much. I mean, Bobby could have just outwalked him. Detectives next approach another salvage shop employee, a 29-year-old welder named Michael Fieldy. He's a friend of Bobby and Patricia's from the racetrack. I wonder if you can come down to the station tomorrow morning, say around 8, just ask a few questions. Sure thing, Detective. That night, Detective Daniel gets a disturbing call. I got a phone call from the Jacksonville Police Department. They said that uh, Michael Fielding's mother had called 911 stating that uh, her and, and Michael had gotten into an argument. What do you know about Bobby being missing? I didn't do anything. I didn't say you did. I didn't do anything. I know who I know who did, but What? 
Mama, I, I can't talk to you about this. What? Bobby, I don't know where he is. There ain't nothing going with Bobby. I'm getting out of here. You come back here. That's it, no. She apparently made it sound like it was bothering him bad enough, and she found some tranquilizers that were taken. We went out looking for Michael. We searched probably well into the middle of the night. He was never found. The next morning at 8 o'clock, he came in on the scheduled time that he was supposed to be there. Was it? Got a 911 call for your mama. What happened? He said he was upset, but it wasn't over Bobby's missing. My ex won't let me see my kids. They just, they just pissed me off last night. You didn't say anything about knowing where Bobby was? No, man. No. My mama, she, she's just making stuff up, just trying to get me in trouble. When asked about the previous Friday, Michael says he saw Bobby at the shop earlier that evening. Patricia had brought the boys pizza. Michael told us that the Bobby left, and it was just him and Willie Wright. And then Michael left, and then, of course, Willie's story that he went and got Bobby from their residence and brought him back to shut the air compressor off and the lights in the shop. Alrighty. His story seems to line up with Willie's, but Michael can't answer the key question. What happened to Bobby after he parted ways with Willie that night? I expect he just went on home after that. I know that's what I did. Another week goes by with no answers, and police step up their search efforts. We'd gone over the acreage right there with the Binghams looking for, of course, clues, anything we could find, clothing, you name it. Of course, that was the last place he was seen alive. Law enforcement went to extremes to try to find him. We uh, searched other areas with a helicopter, uh, never came up with nothing. Investigators also combed the site where Bobby's Suburban was found. Like tire marks. We've actually found blood drops on several leaves. It was, well, it was good evidence. But still, no body. At three weeks in, investigators have no shortage of persons of interest. There's his drug addict mother-in-law, Linda Gale, and her boyfriend with a criminal history, Al Clark. There's Bobby's wife, Patricia, and her grandparents, who own the property where he disappeared, and his two co-workers, Willie Wright, and Michael Fielding. Detectives aren't ruling out anyone just yet. Think Willie could have done this? Willie, uh, he's a he's a fall down drunk. Al, Windigale. Al certainly got a record. He's capable. Yeah. When you start hearing stories of he got what he deserved, you know, Lindigale saying that, you've got to work around these people. They'll, they'll they'll cave on each other. They always do. Detectives are desperate for a break, and finally. One comes in the form of a phone call from a local school teacher. A lady by the name of Peggy Yuri had called and wanted to give some information uh, about Bobby's disappearance. I went over to her residence and while speaking with her, her son Timothy came in. Hello, Tim. I'm Detective Mike Daniel. Just talking to your mom about that uh, phone call you got on Friday. Yeah, I got a call from Michael. Michael Fielding. He said his friend had driven his blazer and they'd run out of gas and they needed they just needed a can of gas for it. You never know when you're gonna run out of gas, you know? All right. Be good. All right. The whole thing seemed totally strange. I didn't want him here. Timothy recognized the vehicle that they had brought and said it belonged to Bobby Sexton, a suburban that Bobby drove quite often. Timothy wasn't sure who the other man was. 
He stated that he looked like an alcoholic and said that he was uh, probably in his 50s. We obtained a photo lineup and he picked uh, the person to be Willie Wright. It's a stunning turn of events. What were Michael Fielding and Willie Wright doing with Bobby Suburban on the night he disappeared? Clearly, they haven't been completely straight with detectives. They head back over to the Bingham compound to knock on Willie's trailer door. Willie! Went to his place and he was no longer living there. The only other place I knew that he would frequent was the river, the Natchez River. He was, a lot of times would live out there with uh, several uh, people on the river, homeless people. Sure enough, that's exactly where Willie's gone. I received a call from, from the sheriff's office that uh, uh, one of the deputies had arrested Willie Wright for public intoxication. We have Willie Wright. She looked uh, went out there to the river, picked him up. Hello, Willie. Where you been? Got a few questions to ask you down at the station. I said I ain't done. It's about time to tell the truth. I can't. They'll kill me if I tell you. Who will kill you, Willie? I can't tell you. He was too intoxicated to tell us anything that night, so he was locked in jail. While Willie sobers up in his cell, detectives consider hauling Michael Fielding in, too. But they need more answers, and Willie is more likely to crack. The first day, he would not talk to me. The second day, he told me a little bit. Uh, and every day after that, he would tell me a little bit more. And what happened after that? The longer he sat and talked to us, the more his story got convoluted to where he would, he would slip. You've been yanking our chain for days now. We got someone ID'd you in a photo. We got you in Bobby's car. All right, all right, all right. Look, I, I'll tell you what happened. I ain't done nothing. It was Michael. Once Willie got started, it was just a treasure trove of inf information. Michael had talked to him about getting a shotgun to kill Bobby. Uh, he said that he didn't want anything to do with it. Michael kept talking to him about it. Uh, finally, he said he did obtain a shotgun. On that Friday night, he was at the shop along with Michael Fielding. After everybody left, Willie's job was to go get Bobby to come back to the shop, and at some point, they would shoot him. I heard the shot. I didn't see nothing, but then, then later on, Michael come banging on my door and said, I had to help him with the body or he's gonna kill me too. Willie says he reluctantly followed Michael over to the salvage yard and there under a rusty car hood was Bobby Sexton's body. Willie helped him load the body up into the suburban. Grab his feet, hold on, hold on. Willie said that uh, when they left the yard, all he did was follow. It wasn't too far after that that they ran out of gas. They had to leave Michael's blazer that Willie had been driving on the side of the road. Then Willie got in the Suburban with Michael and they drove out to the swampy oil fields, stopping at a desolate bridge. Are you too drunk to do this? No! Get both his legs. All right! Come on, man. We ain't got all day. That's no good. He's still floating. Well, it ain't my it's fault. Not sinking. Go get something out of the back and make him sink. And that's when they cut the carpet out of the back of the Suburban. They put the jack on the body, and the jack didn't sink him. Then they took the spare tire, that didn't work, so then they just left it. 
On the way home, Michael and Willie stopped at the Yuri house for a can of gas for the blazer. And that's when Timothy recognizes Bobby's Suburban and later IDs Willie Wright. Willie's account seems to match the evidence, but he still hasn't explained why Michael Fielding would want his friend Bobby dead. Willie, we're gonna have to arrest you for the murder of Bobby Sexton. Put your hands out for me, please. But Willie's word alone isn't worth much. They need some kind of proof before going after Michael Fielding. They need Bobby Sexton's body. You know where Bobby's body is? Baby, I mean. Pay attention. I think so. We need you to show us where that body is. He stated that, that they threw him off of a wooding bridge with a swampy area. He was not sure exactly where it was, but he said he thought he could find it. What about this one, Willie? I don't know. It, don't, it, it might be. For the next several days, police drive Willie all over Cherokee County to every wooden bridge they can find. No. And you're sure? No, look at that log jam. There wasn't no log jam. Willie, remember back and think real hard. It was dark, man. We probably checked 100, 200 bridges. He had a good idea of the area, but he wasn't positive. What about this one? Anything look familiar, Willie? This ain't it. That's all I can tell you. As the days pass, investigators grow more and more frustrated. I kept feeling like Willie was just getting us further and further away from what was going on. Maybe somebody was going to move the body. And that, that, was, a, that was a concern. We're running out of patience, OK? You need to tell us where that bridge is and fast. Then, after six days of trekking around the marshy oil fields of East Texas in March 1998, Willie finally recognizes a familiar bridge. Slow down. Slow down. Yeah, stop, stop. It was here. It was right here. This is it? I ain't lying to you. It was right here. Yeah, th th this is it. Looking in, in the water on both sides of the bridge, that's when we found the carpet and the jack. And at that point, we were pretty sure that we were at the right place. We need some more officers down here at the bridge by the oil field. They scan the murky shallows from the bridge, but they can't make out much. It was an area that floods periodically with runoff from the Natchez River, a property that is used by an oil company. Smell that? Sure do. We saw snakes by the hundreds out there. Alligators were there. Look at that. There was a piece of what I thought was fiberglass floating in the water about 150 feet from the bridge. We don't need a boat. Pretty much determined that it was something deceased. Didn't know if an animal or a human. When we got out to it, it was evident that it was a human body. Still clothed, jeans, tennis shoes, shirt. He was face down. Need to pull it in and get an ID on it. We could tell that it was a male. And at that point, that was all we could tell. The body was in terrible shape. Just think of the worst thing you can imagine. The animals had devoured part of his body. Large cavity wound. Could be shotgun. Still, they can't be certain about the cause of death because there are also dozens of other bullet holes in the body. There were 12 or 13 rounds that had gone through the body that uh, were of nine millimeter caliber. Is that a shooter? I don't know. Oh, maybe Willie didn't get it right. 
After 33 days of searching, investigators are pretty sure they've just found Bobby Sexton. And the next day, an autopsy in Dallas confirms it. Cause of death, single shotgun wound to the chest. Looks like old Willie was telling us the truth. As for those other bullet holes, turns out there's an explanation. Speaking to the guys that were watching the property, they told us that they thought it was a pig that had fallen into the water and drowned, so they shot it a bunch of times trying to sink it. We gotta get this belt out of here. But a mystery remains. Why would Michael Fielding gun down his good friend? Detectives get a warrant to arrest Michael. Put your hands up! Put your hands up! Get down on the ground! Michael, you're under arrest! You give me my lawyer! I ain't telling you anything! At first, Michael clams up. But after cooling in a cell for a few days, he changes his mind. He's ready to talk. Willie says you did it. Yeah. I shot Bobby. But that ain't even half of it. So tell us. Well, if I tell y'all, do I get a deal? We'll talk about it. Sorry to miss Bobby. According to Michael, it all started last summer with Bobby's wife, Patricia. The couple was having problems at home, and Patricia started confiding in her husband's friend, Michael. I, I don't know how he could love me if I can't give him a son. I it's not That's you. Like... Listen, it's not your fault, Patricia. Michael provided her with a shoulder to cry on, and the two grew close, and then even closer. Soon their friendship became an affair, and according to Michael, Patricia revealed something shocking. She told him that, that Bobby Sexton was beating her and raping her uh, uh, routinely and regularly. He hits you? Patricia, you shouldn't let him do that to you. About the girls, but Michael became more and more angry with Bobby. But before he could do anything about it, in November, the situation exploded. Somebody had told him that they was in that motel together. Bobby went to the motel, kicked the door in. Patricia, Michael, what the hell are you doing? I want to thank you. Marshall, put on the get on You want to pick up somebody he had a couple of stitches in inside of his face. When he found out about Michael and her, he was fairly upset. He didn't know what to do. That explains why Bobby and his three young girls picked up and left the Bingham family compound and moved back in with his parents for a spell. To detectives, it's now clear why Michael might have wanted Bobby out of the picture. He wanted Patricia for himself, so he killed him. But then, Michael drops a bombshell. I never wanted to kill him. It was Patricia's idea. Her and her grandmother. Dorothy. Dor that's right. Dorothy and Patricia. That was a surprise. Um, he brought up that Dorothy, Patricia, and he had met on a couple of different occasions and uh, talked about how they could get rid of him. Why? According to Michael, life would be easier with Bobby out of the picture. Also, Patricia wanted to make sure he could never take away the girls like he did before. Bobby had the children. Patricia was very upset over that. Dorothy Bingham was also very upset over that. Over my dead body, he's gonna keep those girls. According to Michael Fielding, uh, Dorothy Bingham was the mastermind in doing this. 
Michael says the first plan Patricia and Dorothy came up with was to plant illegal drugs on Bobby and get him arrested. Uh, Michael said that Dorothy had provided $100, 150 or maybe $200 on a couple of occasions to buy cocaine. We put it in Bobby's truck. We get him arrested. Girls can come home. Michael, you can, you can help us. I'll do it. <gasps> so they approached a family friend with known drug connections. Al Clark was solicited to try to go get some cocaine, and then for some reason he backed out. According to Michael, after that plan fizzled, Patricia and her grandmother upped the ante by deciding to pursue a more permanent solution, but they needed his help to do it. You know what you're talking about. We need to get our babies back here. Just be a man, you stand up to him. I don't know, baby, this is, this is some tough stuff. We'll be together, isn't that what you want? Come on, we need your help. I just don't know if this is the right thing yet. You gotta do this. To detectives, it all fits, because the story Patricia told Michael about being abused sounded false. You would expect there'd be at least 911 calls, uh, police come out, investigate, uh, and there was none of that. She never made a complaint against him at all. Michael, you can do this. We need this. What if I get caught? You I'm just scared. I, I don't know. With Bobby's disability, we can have everything we dreamed of. It was gonna be a big lump sum. And uh, she would draw the social security check of the girls. She would have that too. Michael, are you gonna do this or what? Michael, please. All right, I'll do it. Michael. With Michael on board, Patricia's next move was to convince Bobby that the affair was over and that he and the girls should move back to the trailer. I, I made a mistake. Michael was a mistake. Well, we're family. I don't know, baby. Oh, the girls. Uh, the girls need a mama and a daddy. Just come back home. Come home to me. All right, for the girls, you'll yeah. Come, you'll come awesome. home? Thank you. And when he said him and Trisha was going to get back together, I said, probably they're going to kill you. He said, well, I'll be in a better place. But their reconciliation was never meant to last long. And on that Friday night, February 20th, the deadly trap was sprung. First, Michael says he got a shotgun from Willie Wright and told him to lure Bobby back to the shop. I need you to come to the shop with me. The lights are on, the compressor's running. All right. Michael hid behind a vehicle, uh, waited until Bobby had unlocked the door and was walking back toward the house. After he shot him, he covered Mr. Sexton's body up with a hood from an old junk car out there. When he fired a shot that killed Bobby, uh, almost immediately the telephone rang at the shop. I heard the shot. Is it done? A moment or two later, Patricia showed up and wanted to look at him to see that he was dead. We're going to put him in the back of the truck. Willie's going to help me. I need the keys. I got them. Well, where are they at? In this pocket, I guess. Patricia then went back to the residence. Uh, Michael and Willie loaded him into the Suburban. You got it? Yeah. Come on. 
Michael drove the Suburban and Willie drove the Michael's Blazer. Their initial intention was to drive the Suburban with Bobby's body into the river itself. Everything changed when they ran out of gas. Now they had to use Bobby's vehicle and leave Michael's Blazer behind. At that point is they took the, you know, the body to the oil fields. Come on, man, we ain't got all day. To detectives, Michael's detailed account squared with the facts. As for Patricia and Dorothy's part in all this, harder to say. She was leading him on, you know, we'll be together, you know, let's get rid of him and we'll have the kids. Talked with the district attorney's office and I informed him that Dorothy Bingham and Patricia Sexton were also involved in the case. He stated that we needed more than what we had to uh, get warrants for, for them. Investigators need a way to verify Michael's story, but the only ones who might confirm it are Patricia's mother, Linda Gale, and her boyfriend, Al Clark. And they aren't the type to volunteer anything. So that August, detectives come up with a creative way to get some leverage. They arrange a drug buy sting operation at a local motel. I swear I, I didn't do anything. During the interview of her drug arrest, we also talked to Linda Gale about the death of Bobby Sexton. Did Patricia and Dorothy have anything to do with it? You're wanting me to tell on family. We caught you with an amount of crack that would get you what, uh, what is 10 it? 10 to 15 years. 10 to 15 years, hard. What if I do know something? We'll make a recommendation to the DA. Under pressure, Linda Gale finally caves. I, I, I overheard uh, Patricia talking to Mama, something about uh, getting rid of Bobby and, and drugs and putting drugs on him. I, I don't know. She turned over on her, her daughter and her, her mother. Nearly six months after Bobby Sexton was gunned down, Dorothy Bingham and her granddaughter Patricia are charged with capital murder. We questioned both of them after their arrest and both uh, refused uh, to talk without an attorney. In the end, Willie Wright is only charged with tampering with evidence. He moved the body. Willie also was responsible for bringing the shotgun. Be careful. The main reason Willie was not charged with murder was he was extremely ill, had cancer, died uh, before his trial was gonna come up. Michael Fielding accepts a plea bargain of 35 years in exchange for his testimony against his former lover, Patricia. He never denied that he ambushed and shot Mr. Sexton in cold blood with a shotgun. He, there's no doubt under the law and in fact that, that Michael Fielding is a murderer. To me, uh, he done it. He needs to serve his full time, 35 years. During her murder trial, Patricia Sexton continues to maintain her innocence. Our trial theory was, it's a lover's triangle. Mr. Fielding wanted to get rid of a rival, and he and uh, others, Willie, planned it and carried it out. But after being absent for so much of her daughter's young life, Linda Gale takes the witness stand to seal Patricia's fate. When you come in and testify against your own flesh and blood and a murder trial to put him in prison for life, it was uh, pretty devastating to the case. Patricia Sexton is found guilty of murder and sentenced to life in prison. She didn't pull the trigger. 
Can you manipulate someone into committing murder and be guilty yourself? Those are the questions the jury said, yes. Bobby Sexton's parents are awarded custody of Bobby and Patricia's three daughters. As for Patricia's grandmother, Dorothy Bingham, she too is convicted of murder and is sentenced to 30 years in prison. But after four years behind bars, her conviction is overturned on appeal due to lack of evidence. In 2003, she is released and she can never again be charged for the murder of Bobby Sexton. After the case was completed, the only person that showed any remorse was Willie Wright, Patricia Nunn, uh, Michael, maybe a little, and Dorothy not at all. I still couldn't even get in the shower because I think about the water. But he had to go home living. He wanted to get back in church, we take case life. So that gives me, you know, hope that I won't see him again. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.